Well, welcome to our Newport Church at Home Online service. So glad you joined us, whether you are local, whether you're in another part of the United States or another country of the world. We're so glad you could connect with us. We're very thankful for 21st century technology and our team who make it possible. And we pray that during this service, hope and faith would rise in your hearts and that God would speak to you through the power of his Holy Spirit as we enter a time of worship. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for every person here. I pray that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would meet each one of us at our point of need. We know that there is nothing beyond the scope of your power. And so I pray that you would move supernaturally. Let people be healed. Let your provision flow. May relationships be restored. May those that are discouraged be encouraged. And through it all, Lord, may we draw closer to you. May we draw closer to each other. May your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Good morning, Newport Church. It is another beautiful, wonderful Sunday, and we're so happy that we can worship together continuously. And this week I was just reflecting on the truth that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we worship, I, my hope and prayer is that we would continue to believe in the power of Jesus Christ, that He is the same. His character, His heart, His purpose, His plan is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can trust in that, we can rest in that. So let's worship Him together and confess our belief in Him through our time of worship. sing our Father Everlasting. Our Father Everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior, I believe, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the our judge and our defender our judge and our defender suffered and crucified forgiveness is in you descended into darkness you rose in glorious life forever seated high together I believe I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit our God is three in one I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus Sing it again. And I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe 
I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Yes, I believe. You are 
Thank you to our worship team. We're so thankful for all those who serve in the life of our church and make what we do possible. I want to take a few moments now to continue to worship God through our giving. Giving is an act of worship. The Bible talks about honoring God with the first fruits of all of our increase. When we honor God, with our giving, we're saying to God that we are, we're worshiping you with what we have. We're honoring you with, with what you have given to us. And of course, 
um, as we honor God, God honors us. God says that if we, if we honor him, he will honor us. If we will put him first, then we'll see the, 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 the blessings of honoring him realized in our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's what we're doing when we're giving. We're honoring God. We're, we're sowing and investing into his kingdom. But God says, if you do your part, I'll do my part. And I pray that that will be your reality. Whether it's you for the first time taking the step to give a donation or to move from giving a donation to being regular and giving donations. Whether it's taking a step to move from giving donations to tithing, giving the first tenth of everything that comes into your life. God promises if you do that, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing you won't be able to contain it. If it's taking a step from just giving uh, your tithe or giving your tithe to giving offerings over and above your tithe, again, God says he will multiply the seed that we sow. For every step we take, there's a promise. For every, every step we take, there's a provision. For every step we take, there's a powerful uh, work that God does in us and he changes and transforms us and he does a powerful work through what you give and what we give to touch our world. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for making it possible for us to continue to do what God has called us to do in some of the most trying days that we have seen. Your faithfulness is making a difference. Your faithfulness enables us to send this message out uh, to our world. Your faithfulness makes it possible for us to feed people in Santa Ana that are hungry and, and in need of, of food. Your faithfulness makes it possible for us to do all the ministries that we do to reach our community. So I wanna pray for you right now as we give. Father God, I pray for every person that's giving today. I pray, Lord, that your promises would be realized and come to pass. We thank you that you are a God who, who doesn't say something and then change your mind. You're faithful, you're true to your word. And as we give, Lord, may lives be changed, not just for time, but eternity. And may the reality of your promise, of your provision, be for each and every one. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Happy Sunday and welcome to our home. I do love champagne colored roses and I also love pink roses, especially when Pastor Jonathan gives them to our girls for their birthdays and he did that recently with London Eternity. But my favorite flower on planet Earth is the frangipani, also known as plumeria. Growing up, we had a huge frangipani tree on the side of our home and then when Pastor Jonathan and I built our home just before we left to come and plant our church here we had an amazingly beautiful frangipani tree right out the front of our house and it was the one thing I wished we could bring with us and we've tried to grow frangipanis since we've been here and just last year Pastor Jonathan was able to crack the code and I now have this beautiful frangipani plant. It is flourishing. The, the flowers are beautiful. They smell so amazing. And I was talking to my dad recently and he said, how incredible is God to be able to put that much fragrance into that smaller flower? And it's true. <laughs> but that flower would not have 
the ability to look as beautiful as it does and to have the fragrance that it has without being planted. I want to read to you today a scripture from the voice translation, Psalm 92 verses 13 and 14. Those planted in the house of the eternal will thrive in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit into old age. Even in winter, they will be green and full of sap. And I did grab a little fresh one today. And of course, there is sap coming out because it's fresh. For the frangipani, sap is a sign of life. Let us be planted. Let us stay planted. Let us enjoy the peace that comes with being and staying planted. This week and always, I love you. God bless you. Well, we're going to continue with our theme of how can we live in unity in the midst of disunity. It's not hard to see in our nation at this time that there is a lot of disunity. And we've been talking about how we as a people of God can live in unity in the midst of disunity and we can be a light to our world. We can, we can be the salt of the earth. And wherever we go, we can do all that we can to keep uh, see unity grow in our midst. Of course, the background or the, the theme the, of the series that we've been looking at now for uh, some weeks, in fact, over a couple of months, has been the theme from the book of Joshua, where the children of Israel are on the east side of the Jordan River, about to enter the promised land on the west side of the Jordan River. And Joshua says to the people, uh, when you cross over, he sends his officers throughout the camp and he says to them, listen, when you cross over, you've got to do this. You've got to keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it. And you are to move out from the, your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. The people of God were going to be guided by God and his presence. They were to keep their eye on God's presence. They were to follow God. While they kept their eyes on God, they were going to know how to make their way successful. God's word was going to be their roadmap, and they were going to need to take steps of faith. As they moved into this land, there were lessons that they'd learned on the east side of the Jordan River that God wanted them to take into this next season. I think we could all think about, and I wonder if we can think about, lessons that we've learned in this season, in this COVID-19 impacted season that we've all been in. There are lessons that we've learned. There are things that we can take with us as we transition that can help us uh, to live from a position of greater understanding and greater strength as we move forward. Things the invaluable lessons in these hard times that can be a benefit to us individually and to us corporately as a church. So God said to them, you've learned a, a new spirituality in the desert, a desert spirituality, because you are desperate to survive and you lean towards me. When you go into the land of abundance and ease, don't forget me. Keep that spiritual dimension to your life, even when everything is going really well. Secondly, you're moving from the simplicity of the desert where you life was boiled down to the basics, where what was most important was, was at the forefront of, of everyone's thinking. It was a simple life. He said, when you move into the complexity of the promised land, don't lose that simplicity. Uh, make sure you hold on to the basics. And there's a lesson for us. Maybe some of the basics that maybe the simplicity in some regards maybe has been more complicated recently, but in other areas, uh, there has been a simplicity 
that we can take with us into the complexity of this next season. And then the next thing was they had learned uh, and experienced great clarity in the, in the, on the right stage in the desert. Things were clear, black and white, um, no ambiguity. But when they moved to the left stage, things became more ambiguous. Things became less black and white, more gray. Uh, they were more open to interpretation. God said, keep clarity in the midst of ambiguity. Don't get lost in the ambiguity and the many different ideas and keep that clarity of faith. Keep that clarity in your spirit. And then, of course, unity in the midst of disunity. They'd been a unified, forged into unity. Now you're going into disunity. Hold on to that unity. And in our last two weeks, we've been looking at that subject of unity and some of the things that, that we need to do in order to establish and keep that unity. Um, I want to speak today about uh, three things that God established when the nation of Israel went into the promised land to help them stay unified. We looked last week at the way that their environment had changed. They were now not just one uh, camp of people around the tabernacle. They were now spread out over the whole of the promised land. Um, they were spread out over a large area. They were divided by geographical boundaries and every tribe had their own area. And that brought a separation. That brought a um, disconnect. Um, and, and in that environment, they had to work harder at staying unified. The temple was further away, sometimes days of walking uh, or even weeks of walking to the temple to get to the temple. So all of these things uh, created a, a disconnect that, that made unity much harder to maintain. So this is what God did. And there are lessons that we can learn here. These three things that God did are things that, that are so important for us as we transition into this next season from uh, being in this COVID season to the next season. So all of these things that God did, he did to close the gap, to close the gap between us and him and us and each other. Everything God does is about closing the gap to bring us closer. Everything that the enemy does is to try to create a gap to create distance between us and God, to create distance between us and each other. And so God implemented these three things to close the gap, to, to minimize the distance. And then the second uh, thing is that uh, he did this to create connection, to create meaningful connection with him and with each other and to unite his people together. Um, all of these were designed to perpetuate the unity that they had had in the wilderness and that they were so, could so easily be lost as they transitioned into the left stage and transitioned into the land of Canaan. And that unity that was needed in order to bring God's plan and purpose to pass. Um, and of course, the unity that's needed for us to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done. So the first thing is God established a central place of worship. That was, that was the first thing he did. The tabernacle no longer moved around with the people of God, but it was established in Shiloh. Shiloh was the place where the tabernacle was. And Shiloh became the central place of worship for God's people. Later, of course, the central place of worship became Jerusalem, which is where David set up the tabernacle and where Solomon built the temple. So throughout this next stage of Israel's history, the, 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 the temple became that central place of worship at the very center of his people. The temple, of course, was the place where God's presence filled the temple. And, and it was to be the center, the focal point of God's people. 
Now, Paul, of course, talked in the New Testament about how God doesn't dwell in temples made with human hands. He was talking about how in the New Testament, God lives on the inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit, God's presence was manifested in and within the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And that place was the very center of every aspect of the Israelite and Jewish life. Um, when Solomon built the temple, this is what God said about the temple. He said, I have heard the prayer and plea that you, Solomon, have made before me. I have consecrated this temple, which you built, by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Think about that. My eyes and my heart will always be there. God had his eyes on that place. Why? Because that's where his presence was. His heart was there because that's where his presence was. And it was to be the unifying place where not only God's eyes were focused and his heart was, but it was to be the same for every Jewish person. That's why God said that. He said, my eyes are on there. My heart is in there. I want your eyes to be on my temple. I want your heart to be in it. And today for us, of course, the, the, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but God has caused the church, established the church in today's world to be the focal point and center uh, of our focus, so our eyes are on not just the church building because the church is not a building. The church is the people. We are the church, the community of faith. But His eyes are on us, and He want and His heart is with us. He wants our eyes to be on our community of faith, and our heart to be in our community of faith. And it was the unifying central point of focus of gathering and of reference. Jerusalem was at the center, not only of Jewish life, but at the center of the world. And I wanna read this from Ezekiel. Ezekiel said in chapter five and verse five, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. That's a fascinating verse of scripture because God is saying that Jerusalem was at the center of the nations and the temple was at the center of Jerusalem and the Holy of Holies was at the center of the, the temple. God's presence was at the very center of the world. And this was something that the Jewish people understood. And it's very significant because it speaks to us of the centrality of God, uh, the, the house of God in his divine purpose. And if you, uh, there is a, a medieval map which is coming up on the screen right now, which shows that even in medieval days, they saw that the Jerusalem and the temple were at the very center of the three continents of Africa, of Europe, and of Asia. And this is what was written in the Midrash, the Jewish writings, where they, where they wrote, the earth was considered the center of the universe. The holy land was at the center of the earth. Jerusalem was the center of the holy land. The temple was the center of Jerusalem. The holy of holies was the center of the temple. The ark with its mercy seat of God was the center of the holy of holies. God, therefore, was at the center of centers. What a powerful thought that is. And as much as it was geographical, such a powerful spiritual truth that God is at the center of the centers. This is what Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians, where he says to the Ephesian church, and this is the way the message version puts it, that the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is where God breathes and acts and fills everything with his presence. In other words, the, that Paul is saying the same thing. Uh, the church is at the very center of, of God's vision, his activity, 
and it's through which his purpose is being fulfilled. So we're encouraged, uh, just like God's eyes were on the temple, that our eyes are on the church. Just like God's heart was in the temple, our heart is in the church. Um, And now, even though we can't gather in our church, fortunately, we've been able to have some gatherings, worship times outside of our church building, uh, which have been a great interim step for us to to come to a place where we can start to gather in our building. So we've been able to make some steps towards that. But even though we can't gather in our central place of worship, um, and we can gather as the early church did from house to house, watching our service online, um, we can roll out of bed in our PJs. And I'm so thankful for for the modern technology that enables us to do that. Can you imagine if this had happened 20 years ago, how much harder it would have been for us to have stayed connected? So we've been blessed and we've been very fortunate to have electronic media, all the team that work to make this happen, that do such a great job. Um, All of this is possible, but at the same time, the centrality of God's house, the centrality of us gathering together can never be replaced. The dynamic of us being together, of seeing each other, of being able to connect uh, as we gather, that can never be replaced in any way, shape or form. And one of the things that we're gonna have to transition from is we're gonna have to transition from where we were or where we are now to a place where we begin to, we begin to gather, we begin to meet together um, in a way where we can, we can reconnect in a, in a powerful way. Um, I remember back when we first started our church, um, we always, we said, we said that whenever people come into our church, we want them to experience all six senses. Well, what are the six senses? The six senses are sight, sound, smell, touch, uh, and taste. Um, And those are the five senses. What's the sixth sense? The sixth sense is our spiritual sense. The sense where we have a spiritual connection with God. And what we said was we want all of those five senses to bring people to a place where they experience, they have a sixth sense experience where they experience the presence of God. Now we can experience the presence of God without any of our five senses, but God uses our five senses to to see him, to connect with him. Remember that the Psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God. What, What was the Psalmist saying? The, the sight of the, the heavens, the, 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 the sense of the, 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 the heavens, all that us, when our senses were engaged in observing the heavens, they declare the glory of God. So we wanted every aspect of our worship service to declare the glory of God and, and every one of those things to help to connect people to God and to each other. So when it comes to sound to sight, of course, most of us will have been in some of the old church buildings, maybe in Europe, other parts of the world, or even here in the United States, old church buildings that had stained glass windows. Those stained glass windows bring light and and color into uh, some those beautiful stone buildings. Well, we don't have those beautiful stone buildings. I'd love to have a building like that for a church, but we have a stone concrete warehouse. But within it, we have the, the, the ability to use 21st century technology, LED screens, lights, and so on. And what, what's all that? That's not entertainment. It's a way for us to engage uh, visually in a way that, that can connect us to God and, and can be a, a, a segue and be a, a connection to have our spiritual senses awakened. 
when it comes to sound, of course, our worship team and the sound that we have that is so important as we worship God together. Taste. Oh, the wonder of taste, of coffee. I miss our coffee on Sunday mornings, that flat white that was such a great start to the service or before the service and connecting with people in the foyer. And then, of course, smell, the smell of coffee. There's nothing like the smell of coffee. And, of course, our sense of smell is one of the most profound senses that we have. And then, of course, touch human touch that is so important for our emotional, psychological well-being. I talked about this last week. And as human beings, we need that physical connection. And that physical connection that we have with each other is an expression of God's love that we can share with each other. So all of these five senses are designed to awaken us to the presence of God. The hug. I read something the other day and it, uh, and it said, says this, I like it. We need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs for maintenance and we need 12 hugs for growth. While that may sound like a lot of hugs, it seems that many hugs are better than not enough. I like that. I'm a hugger. Well, right now we can't hug, we can elbow bump, but we need that touch. And all of these things are a part of us meeting gathering, regathering as a, as, a, as a body so that we can start to re-enter this new season um, as we transition to a post-COVID world. I love Hebrews 10, 25 in the Passion Translation says, this is not a time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. When should we meet more frequently? As the day draws near. What day? The day of Jesus coming. We know those will be darker days. And the darker day, the days are, the more light we need. The more difficult the days are, the more we need to encourage one another. And I know that everyone has uh, different levels of comfort. And of course, some people uh, are going to take time to transition into that. But let's never forget the house of God is the place that is the central place of worship that God established so that that can be an expression and a weekly expression of our unity as a people of God living in a world of great disunity. The church is central to establishing that unity. The church is a demonstration of that unity. The church is a demonstration of unity with diversity, diversity of every race, of people, of every nationality, of every ethnicity, of every background, um, uh, all with different histories and all with different stories that all add something marvelous and wonderful to what the church should be. So the first thing God did was he established a central place of worship. We need to now, as we re-enter, we need to re-establish that central place of worship, beginning with our services outside to then transitioning inside so that we can go from strength to strength. Secondly, God established new patterns of worship. Now that the people were in the wilderness, uh, out of the wilderness rather, where they had been able to see the tabernacle, they'd seen the cloud by day and the pillar of cloud by night where God's presence dwelt above the tabernacle, they saw that. Now they could no longer see uh, those, uh, the temple. They, could know, they, they were distanced and, and, and they were no longer visible and not easily accessible. And because of that, God established new patterns of worship for the people. He knew that they weren't going to be able to go to the temple every week. However, he established new patterns of worship where all the men were to appear before the Lord three times a year. He established patterns of worship where people would pilgrimage to the temple. Remember the story about Jesus 
And we read in Luke 2, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the pattern. Remember, according to the custom and the pattern, remember when we, the unthinkable happened. I can remember it was the second Sunday in March was the last service that we had here in our church building. And we made a decision that we felt that given the circumstances and given what was happening with COVID-19 that we ought not to, to gather that week. We never thought that we would be here some six months, over six months later, uh, still not having been able to gather in our church building. And all of a sudden, all around the world, we amongst hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of other churches, had to start to change the patterns of our worship. We had to start to, to think about ways of having services online. Um, and we're so thankful for that 21st century technology. We went to Zoom calls and, 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 and our isolation, which began by fear, moved to isolation by mandate, by government mandate. And now, in a sense, as things are starting to shift and starting to change, we are experiencing isolation by habit. I want you to think about that for a moment. Isolation by habit. What was once strange to us, what was once foreign to us, has now become a habit. And as a result of that, it's very easily, easy in that environment to develop a kind of an isol I I isolative tendency, a tendency to be isolated. And, and, and we've got comfortable with what originally was uncomfortable. And we have to find now a new normal so that we can move forward. We're not going to move back. We're going to move forward. We need to find, like the Israelites did, new patterns of worship. And, and so that we can move from isolation by habit to integration by choice. I'm going to say that again. We had isolation by fear initially, then isolation by mandate then isolation by habit. Now we want to move and transition to integration by choice. We're going to make a choice to start to integrate again. You know that it takes 21 days to make a habit and it takes 90 days to cement a habit. Well, we've all had to develop new habits. We've all had to develop new patterns of worship. Like we said, at home, online, we did that for 21 days, we created a new habit. Now we've done that 90 days times two. 180 days, has, we have super cemented that habit. And so now we need to start to move, we need to start to change if we're gonna to transition to a, a, a post-COVID environment. And now to begin to establish new habits, new patterns of worship, of reintegration, to gathering again. We don't know that timeline. Who knows when we're gonna be able to worship inside in a totally unrestricted manner as we did before. But what we have to do is we have to start to create a habit of integration over this next period of time. We have to start to move that muscle. And as we begin to move that muscle, we begin to develop and reestablish and create new habits. And we have to acknowledge and welcome new habits, healthy habits as we transition. Many years ago now, um, I suffered an injury playing soccer. I ruptured my anterior cruciate ligament. I could, when it snapped, it was like a twig snapping. I could hear it real loud. And uh, of course I went to the physio and got it checked out. The physio told me, well, the, the bad news is, um, well, actually, she said, do you want the good news or the bad news? I said, I want the good news. She said, there's no good news. The bad news is you've ruptured your ACL. So I kind of procrastinated. I was on a missions trip. I was going to Spain and I, I, I traveled to Spain with an unstable knee for quite some time. But 
When I got back, I decided to undergo surgery and I had surgery and I had an ACL reconstruction. Well, this is 30 years ago, so the, uh, the surgery was far more invasive than it is now. And I ended up with a brace on my leg for six weeks that kept my knee my, at 45 degree angle and I was on crutches. And then eventually when I got off the crutches, uh, my leg was in a 95 degree angle and the physio was in two parts. Part of the physio was just to lie on a plinth and the physio pushed my knee down because I couldn't straighten it, uh, which was very painful. Uh, over a period of months until finally I could straighten my knee. But the other part of it was to build up the muscle, my quadriceps, because my quadricep muscle had atrophied. Uh, it, had, it was incredible. I couldn't believe how quickly it had atrophied. And it, it had shrunk to half the size of the muscle, my other quadricep, because I hadn't used it for uh, those... 12 weeks. And in a sense, there is an atrophy that takes place in every area of our lives when we don't use a muscle, a specific muscle that has a specific function. And so our gathering muscle has not been exercised for six months. Um, our connection muscle of connecting as, you know, rubbing shoulders with each other has, has uh, has atrophied. There may be an emotional atrophy. There may have been a spiritual atrophy that has taken place. I hope not, but it's very possible uh, when those patterns of behavior change. So now we have to start some physio. We have to start to exercise that muscle. We have to start to move that muscle. We have to start to do things that we haven't done for quite some time. And just as it was uncomfortable for me, so it is going to be uncomfortable for us. It's maybe going to, uh, ha it's definitely going to require more effort. There might be a little bit of pain in it for us to change our habits, but it's essential and it's necessary for our growth. Because like I said before, the four senses, the engagement of the four senses and our spiritual sense is never going to be the same when we're at home watching our TV screens. We don't have that touch. We don't have that, the smell and the taste and the, the contact and the, the visual contact that we have with people that encourages us and sharpens our faith. And so we're gonna have to exercise that muscle. And the enemy wants to destroy healthy habits. He's having a field day right now around the world trying to destroy healthy habits. Now's our time to create those healthy habits. 21 days to make a habit, 90 days to cement the habit. Let's start to move that muscle. Let's start to get moving and emphasize on the power of our gathering, the power of our presence in our gathering, the power of God's presence in our gathering, the power of you and I taking our place. When you take your place, you make a difference. When you take your place, uh, you add to our experience of gathering right now outside our church building. As we transition into our building, you're going to make a difference and you will be an encouragement to other people. Your story is an encouragement to other people. Your life is an encouragement to other people. You bring hope to others around about you. And I wanna encourage you as we transition, we've never been this way before. Let's do those things that God established. The third thing that God established was a place for everyone. And I'll touch on that in a future message. But for now, those three things, God established a central place of worship. Secondly, God established new patterns of worship. Thirdly, God established a community and a place for everyone in that community. You have a place in our community. You have a place where you can make a difference. And let's encourage one another as we move into all that God has for us, as we take our place, as we regather in our central place of worship, establish new patterns, 
and take our place in the body of Christ transitioning into this new season. I pray that message has encouraged you and I want to pray for you now, especially if you've never accepted Christ as your savior. I want to lead you in a prayer that will transform and change your life. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago so you and I could be forgiven. And all we have to do to receive the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of a brand new start, of being born again with a new life in Christ, with Christ living in us, with a sense of purpose and destiny, is to simply believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You say that's too easy. Well, that's what Jesus made possible for us because there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn that. We're all imperfect, but he gives us that as a gift. So today I want to encourage you to accept that gift. If I was to give you a gift, you would have to reach out your hand and you'd have to take it. Today, I want to encourage you to take the gift that God is reaching out to you, the gift of salvation. Take it, receive it. Your life will never be the same again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I open my heart and I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Lord. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a new, fresh start and beginning. And I pray that as I follow you in the fulfillment of my God-given purpose and destiny, that I will, uh, I will know what it is to, to live with you at the very center of my life. I'll know your presence, your peace, your power. And I thank you for the assurance of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we are so glad that you prayed that. It's the greatest prayer anyone could ever pray. And on the screen are the, is a, are the ways that you can connect with us. We'd love to connect with you, help you to take the next steps. We're here for you, and we're so thrilled you made the greatest decision anyone could ever make. God bless you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, oh, 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 oh. we make a miracle worker. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Way maker, yeah, yeah, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, we make a miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, cause that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are, 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 and that is who you are, Lord. We're 
so glad that you could join us today. I pray that this service has been an encouragement to you. And as we move forward, we're going to be keeping you informed about what's happening in terms of the changes that are taking place as things begin to open up. Schools are starting to go back to uh, in-person uh, schooling and our opportunities to meet are only going to increase as time goes by. We're praying that the COVID virus, God would turn the tide of it and push it back uh, so that uh, we can continue worldwide to see uh, enter a whole new season where we are coming out of this stronger, coming out of this better, coming out of this in a way where we can make a greater difference in our world. So thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Can't wait to see you soon. Stay tuned to all of our communication via email and so on. We'll be keeping you updated as things progress. We love you. And now may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you now and evermore. In Jesus' name, amen.